Today's scripture is from Matthew, so would you please stand for reading of the gospel. And this is Matthew 26, beginning to read at verse 47 through 50. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With, it, with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the leaders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged for a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. This is the word of God from the people of God. Thanks be to God. Shall we take a breath? All right. That's a, that's a tough scripture. It really is. It really is. Well, friends, we are in the third week of this sermon series we're calling Motley Crew. And we're looking each week at a different one of the, the 12, one of the disciples, and through the lens of that person's life, trying to understand the lessons for discipleship for us. Uh, and so this morning, you know, we're going to be looking at Judas. And what I would say to you, uh, right as we begin, is that according to all four of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Judas was one of the twelve, which means that he is one that Jesus chose. Okay, So let that sink in for a moment, that there were parts about Judas's life that when Jesus saw him, he said, I think this one has potential. I think this one belongs in my closest circle, in the circle of 12. The other gospel, the, all the gospels also agree that Judas held a role in the story as it played out, and that was the role of betrayer. So he was one that Jesus chose, and in the end, Judas made a different choice. Judas has one very important lesson to teach us about discipleship. So you'll notice, if you've been with us for the last two sermons, that I probably have maybe two or three lessons, but today I just I want us to focus in on one lesson that Judas has to teach us about discipleship. And I hope that the power of that one lesson will be so deep uh, that it will sit with us forever, because Judas has a lot to teach us. So let's begin. This is how we've done uh, over the last couple of weeks. These are things that we learn about this particular disciple from the Scripture. Okay? We learn from the scripture that Judas had the role of being the treasurer for the group. Now last week, you remember, uh, we looked at Matthew, who was the tax collector, somebody who probably knows a little bit about money, okay? but Matthew wasn't the treasurer. Judas was the one that was chosen to have that role of privilege and influence, and when at the Last Supper, he's one of the closest disciples to Jesus so that his proximity would seem to substantiate the fact that he had that role because they trusted him. Another thing that we learn about Judas, and we're going to talk about John's gospel and a particular story that's told there in a little bit, but Judas was known to take matters into his own hands. In John chapter 12, there's this beautiful story about Mary, of Martha and Mary. Mary comes to Jesus with the most expensive ointment, something that their family had probably been saving for a very close family member for an anointing before burial. And she spills this ointment all over Jesus' feet. It's an extravagant act, an extravagant act. And Judas is the one who questions it. 
and we see that in the scripture, is that Judas always comes at whatever situation that he's presented with, and he says, I know a better way. I, I know best. Okay? And finally, we just need to understand that while G Judas is given the role of the betrayer, um, actually the Greek really doesn't mean betrayer, it means simply handed over. Really, all Judas did was to tell the chief priests and the elders that we heard about in the scripture where Jesus would be alone so that they could find him without making a scene. That way they could arrest him quietly and they were hoping that it wouldn't incite a riot. But that's all Judas did was to share that location. So I just I thought it might be helpful if we kind of start with these are the things that we know about Judas. He was the treasurer. He, he really always wanted to know best. He wanted to be in charge to take matters into his own hands. And what he does simply is share the location where they can find Jesus relatively alone. So then the question becomes, what were Judas's motives? Well, I'm going I'm to give it away. We don't know. We really have no idea. There's no way to know with certainty why Judas would have given away the location where Jesus was that night. But we're going to surmise a little bit. We're going to look at the Gospels, kind of see what they say. They actually tell a little bit of a different story, each of them, uh, in this particular point. So in Mark's Gospel, which was probably one of the earliest Gospels, if not the earliest Gospel that was written, it's much shorter, if you notice, when you compare Mark to Matthew and Luke and John. Mark just leaves out a lot. It's only 16 chapters. Mark is silent about Judas's motive. All he says is that Judas led the authorities to Jesus so they could arrest him without making a scene. He doesn't say anything about why Judas would have done that. Then when we come to Matthew's gospel, and the passage that Jim read for us, there's, there's more to the story if you look in Matthew 26, but Matthew adds a few details. Matthew tells us that Judas was paid 30 pieces of silver for that information. In fact, Judas says, what will you give me? if I tell you where he is. And they said, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver, and he accepted the silver. So you have to wonder, maybe his motivation was greed. He, he just, he wanted the money, right? But we don't really know that. Matthew gives us a few other details. He tells us that Judas, once he realized what he had done, wanted to give the money back. And he goes to the chief priests and the elders, and he tries to give it back, and they won't take it because it's too late. At that point, right, the, the deed has been done. And, and Matthew then tells us, sadly, that Judas kills himself. And that the money he gave back then was used to buy the field where he completed his suicide. That's in Matthew's gospel. Then we come to Luke and John, and this is really interesting. Because they indicate that Judas was influenced by an outsider. One they called Satan. They said that it wasn't Judas that did it. It was this outside influence. In the second volume of Luke, which is known as the Acts of the Apostles, you have Luke-Acts, probably written by the same person. The author tells us that Judas died in an accidental fall. That's in Acts chapter 1, verse 18. Interesting. Matthew says that Judas took his own life, and, and Luke, the author of that gospel, in, in the book of Acts, says that no, he, he fell. And that's how he died. So it's interesting the way they tell that story. It's almost as if the authors of Luke and John want you to wonder whether Judas really had control of his actions or not. Whether Judas might have simply been a pawn in a big chess game where God had already determined the outcome. 
again, we don't know. I mean, we can infer, we can guess, we can think about it. But I, for me, the most helpful thing is to say, how do I align in these uh, stories? Whether it's Mark's version or Matthew's version or, or Luke and John's version. And where I align is this question. How in the world could Judas have spent three years with Jesus in his earthly ministry and missed it so badly? How does that happen? I don't know. Obviously, the gospel writers, they don't know either. They're, they're trying to give you a clue here and there, but I mean, at the end of the day, we just kind of sit with that question and go, oh my goodness. And if we have an inkling of self-awareness about us, the next question comes really quickly, doesn't it? Would I have done it? If Judas could have walked with Jesus and seen the miracles and the healings and the, and the, and the life that G Jesus brought to so many people who were so desperately in need of it, and he missed it. Me, I don't even get to be with Jesus as he walks the earth. Could I miss it too? And you know what? We all could. If we are human, friends, we could miss it too. So, here's your lesson. This is what I get from learning to be a disciple as taught by Judas. When you can't let people be who they are, they end up being the enemy. So let's think about Judas struggling with who Jesus said he was. We know that Judas was upset when Mary spilled that expensive ointment all over John's, or Jesus' feet in, in John chapter 12. That is a beautiful story and one that would bear reading again and again and again. Um, but when she does that and, and cries and washes his feet with her tears and wipes his feet with her hair, Judas questioned Jesus' receipt of that great gift with that painful slice of self-righteousness. I don't know if you remember this from the scriptures, but this is what G Judas says. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? After this beautiful act of extravagance, that's what Judas asks. Perhaps you've been in a situation where there's just that moment where everyone's catching their breath and someone just can't stand it and has to ask the question where you're like, really? Now? But, but Judas just, he just struggled with who Jesus said he was, right? And he, he struggled with the fact that Jesus wasn't becoming the Messiah that Judas thought he ought to be, right? He, he thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government and reestablish the, the king of Israel on the throne again. And, and that, that all would be set right in God's kingdom because God's people would be in charge again. He's going to make the nation great. We never hear that anywhere else, right? He's going to make America great again. Okay? Now, that's not a political comment. That's trying to help you see where Judas was coming from. Okay? He had a deep passion, deep passion for, for Israel to be restored to her former glory. Is that wrong? No. 
I mean, this is a part of what's been promised all throughout the Old Testament. And so Judas is just struggling. He's struggling with, with the fact that Jesus came to lay down his life. Jesus came to serve those that nobody else wanted to touch. And, and really, at this point, Jesus has said, I am going to die because of who I came to be. And Judas is chafing against that. He wants Jesus to be a different kind of Messiah. But now that can't be all there is to it, though, friends, because most of Jesus' followers accepted, struggled to accept the kind of Messiah Jesus said he was and the life of obedience that Jesus required. Judas wasn't the only one who struggled in that way. So I want to be able to point out this difference. Let's take a look at one verse. This is John 12, chapter 6. And those parentheses are actually in the verse. It's a parenthetical reference sort of set apart after Judas asked that question. So why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? This is what the writer of John says. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse, right? He's a treasurer. And he used to steal what was put into it. Oh. Oh, okay. Right? Now it's opening up a little bit more, isn't it? You see, Judas thought he knew best. Now, now Judas wouldn't have claimed that straight out. He wouldn't have said, I should be the Messiah. Right? I should be the one to determine how this goes. Instead, he would have told himself and others in quiet whispers, I can. I have that position of privilege and influence. I'm close to him. I control the purse. He's not becoming who we think he's supposed to be, so I can get him to change. Friends, when you can't let people be who they are, they end up being the enemy. And here's the rub. Jesus insists on being both Lord and Savior. So when someone comes to join our church, I always ask them to make what we call a profession of faith. And for most people, that's a reaffirmation of a profession that they have made at some point in their life. And they've said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Right? Do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior what Jesus wants us to understand, friends, is he has to be both. He has to be the Savior who can save you when you cannot save yourself. But then he also has to be the Lord. He has to be in charge. He has to determine your priorities, your motives, your, even your closest desires, the things nobody else would even know about you. He has to be in charge even of that. So he doesn't get to be Savior without being Lord, and he doesn't get to be Lord without being Savior. And Judas struggled with that because Judas thought he knew best. Yes, Jesus, be our Savior the way I want you to be. Don't be my Lord because I'm doing a fine job of that myself. Thank you very much. Interesting then that when Judas brings the religious authorities to Jesus, that undisclosed location on that fateful night, Jesus greets him with that word, Jim let it hang there for a moment at the end of the passage. He calls him friend. Did you notice that? Friend, do what you are here to do. That's worthy of our attention, our sit up and take notice, as it were. 
because Jesus is not willing for Judas to be his enemy. He accepts that Judas has made a mistake. And sometimes we all make mistakes when our priorities get misplaced, don't we? You know, we just, we thought this was the most important thing and then all of a sudden we go, uh-oh, I might have been wrong. I could have been wrong. And, and Jesus says, that's okay. I know that, that where he is right now, he just, he misplaced his priorities. He accepts Judas' mistake, but he won't break relationship with Judas. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? So let's reflect on our own lives for just a moment. Is there anyone in your life that you feel like might be at cross purposes to you? Think about this, okay? Anybody in your life that might want something different from a situation than you want from it and is having a hard time letting you be who you are in that situation. We could take it a step further. Is there anyone you feel like might want to bring you harm? Okay? And hopefully, there will only be a few of us kind of scattered throughout, but this is the thing, is that at some point in our lives, we all encounter people who are at cross-purposes to us, don't we? Who, who at some level might even want to bring us harm just because they so cannot let us be who we are in that particular situation. Now, we remember the lesson that we learned from Judas. If you can't let someone be who they are, they will end up being your enemy. Perhaps you have now this dawning self-realization that someone might actually be your enemy. So imagine the amount of grace it would take to say, I don't care what you do to me. I will not break relationship with you. Do you have somebody in your head? I mean, imagine saying that to that person. I don't care what you do to me. I will not break relationship with you. Now, remember, I mean, we always have to put in the caveat, I'm not asking you to be a doormat, okay, and let them bring personal harm to you. But what I'm saying is where G Jesus is, he knows Judas is going to bring personal harm to him, and he still will not break relationship with Judas. He calls him friend. I happen to believe that Jesus would have offered forgiveness to Judas without any trouble. I think that he would have said, of course, Judas, of course I forgive you. I also happen to believe this, that receiving grace is the starting point of a life of discipleship. And that's where Judas struggled, because he just had to be in charge. He had to control it. And so even if Jesus could have offered that to him, he could not accept it. He could not let Jesus be in charge. And so he could not receive the grace that Jesus could have offered to him. He took matters into his hands one last time and took his own life. Instead of offering, receiving the offer that Jesus gave to him when he called him friend. I just really, I mean, three of the Gospels report it that way. I think Jesus was intentional about using that word friend. Friend. I, I don't want to break relationship with you. So, here's where we finish today, friends. It is hard to receive the grace that Jesus offers, isn't it? 
That's why it's the starting point. Because if you're going to really receive the, the grace that is there for you, it means you have to let Jesus be Lord. You have to let Jesus be in charge. And that's hard. But here's the crux of the matter. We cannot give what we have not received. Okay? So if we can't receive the grace that Jesus truly wants to offer us on Jesus' terms, then we can't give it to anyone else. Discipleship begins when we stand in Judas's shoes and hear Jesus say the same thing to us. Friend, friend, do what you are here to do and know that even in the midst of that, I will not break relationship with you. I will not. And then discipleship deepens when after we have received that great and beautiful gift, we then give it to someone else. Amen.